0: Thanks for checking out the Anchor Faith Message podcast from St. Augustine Flora. Now enjoy this message. I'm excited uh, and honored and uh, privileged to be able to get this Wednesday and next Pastor Earl assigned me uh, to talk on the subject of spiritual growth and development. So I'm excited about this subject. It's something um, I'm passionate about and something that I've endeavored uh, to do since 1997. 1997, when I was in Columbus, Ohio. Thanks, Jesse. I I knew I'd get a a rise out of you. (laughs) Jesse's from Ohio too, from Dayton, and I'm from the Columbus area, but uh, I gave my life to the Lord in 1997, Uh, and thank God he planted me in a good church there in Columbus, Ohio. Uh, Thank God for good churches. Amen. Good pastors and great visions that God's given them. I'll say it again. Thank God for great churches and great pastors and the vision that he's placed in their heart. And I've I've been able to experience since 1997, I've only been in three different churches. And it's only because God told me to go somewhere else in Columbus, Ohio. I was there for about a year and a half with Apostle Scales at Rama Christian Center. And um, I was faithful. I just knew when I gave my life to the Lord, that's just the start. And I just knew in my heart I needed to be connected. And that's made a huge difference in spiritual growth and development. Yep. So I'll be redundant with this and repetitive, because you need to stay connected. It's the banana that gets away from the bunch that gets peeled. <laughs> See law. Stay connected. Turn to your neighbor, stay, stay connected. Turn the one on the other side, stay stay connected. Well, let's say this, say this after me, say, "Heavenly Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the living word of God. It's so rich, so redeeming, so wonderful, so transforming. And we receive your word tonight as the word of God and not the word of man. I thank you that our spirits are tuned in and attentive to what you want to say, download, and impart. We receive everything that you want to pour out tonight to your honor and your glory in Jesus' name. So after my um, time at Rama, I left there to uh, go to Oklahoma after Praying about it. I didn't have a visitation from an angel. Amen. Amen. But in my spirit, man, I knew that I needed further training. So I left Columbus, Ohio and went to a Rama Bible Training Center. Now it's called Rama Bible College. Uh, and I was there until God told us. That's where I met Pastor Earl Marcy. Uh, we all graduated in 2000 together. The best Rama graduation uh, class ever. Hallelujah. Pastor Mark Brady would disagree because he was a different year, but that's just his opinion. <laughs> but I was there, and uh, we were faithfully served. And I was actually, listen, I'm spirit-filled, born again, in Broken Arrow, Oklahoma, working for a car dealership. <laughs> Hallelujah. I, I mean, maybe car salesmen have changed uh, in the perception of them, I don't know over the years. But I actually worked for a spirit-filled owner, Bobby Nelson. And man, he was a kingdom-minded businessman. Matter of fact, he taught one of our classes at Ramah. Matter of fact, he said ASS in our class. <laughs> and he said, oh, should I have said donkey? I think he was reading the King James Version of the Bible. But, um, but man, his heart and his, his purpose, he knew this was to fund the kingdom of God. And he was a generous guy. I mean, he was he was one of the only people that was a major contributor to one of the missionaries in China. I still remember every time this missionary came back over, he would always put him in a car, you know, put him up in a hotel, but just blessed him, you know? So he had the kingdom mindset for his business, right? Actually, he was expanding his business not because he wasn't making money. he was doing fine, but God told him to. He actually opened up two other dealerships in Tennessee. Last I heard he'd opened up a dealership in California. And matter of fact, for you kingdom businessmen, you need to be bold on your assignment. I remember when I was working for him uh, that he went to a Mazda, uh, uh, you know, uh, owner's event. And they were talking about different things that made their business successful. And everybody's talking different philosophy and strategy. And obviously he's doing real well. Because why? Because he's a tither. He's a giver. And they said, what, what, what do you contribute your success to? And he said, God. He said it got so quiet in that place. <laughs> he said he went up to the buffet line after that and some other business over came up. He said, I like that. That was really good. But kind of whispered to him like Nicodemus in the middle of the night. <laughs> uh, but I, we were there, obviously graduated in 2000, got connected with Pastor Omarcy uh, there and uh, just served faithfully. My wife uh, worked for the ministry. She was uh, the secretary for the, um, the basketball team. Administrator and um, I worked for the car dealership, but then in 2004, Pastor O had pitched the vision of Anchor Faith Church, and we just had a piece about coming to connect. So my last wow, going on 20 years coming up next year, um, I've been with Anchor Faith Church. (laughs) Why do I say all that? Because God's got a plan for you. And your spiritual growth and development is connected to you, or it's, it's, it's going to happen for you if you're connected to a local body church. If you're not connected to a local body church, you're going to be stunted in the capacity and the potential that God has for you. You can only get so much by yourself. I'll say it again. You can only get so much by yourself. Um, it's one thing, and I, the reason I'm passionate about this subject, too, because The Apostle Paul relates some things naturally to spiritual things, and I'll get more into this here shortly, but um, he talks about the the Olympic Games that were happening in that day, you know, equivalent to our Olympic Games in 1 Corinthians 9. I'll read this in a few moments, but he's talking about those that compete, right? Uh, They do it to win. So he's talking about all the effort, all the discipline, the regimen, the strategy, the coaching, for an athlete to win their event, right? He said, there's exercise that goes into it. And I know this because I've been lifting since I was 13 years old. Yeah, oh, cool, Christopher. I mean, I started in Ohio. It's great. We have a thing called basements. We're not at sea level. Glory to God. And I started with the old sand... um, weights anybody with the plastic and you know if you dropped them it would crack and you'd have really muscle and bounce because you know one of the weights would be less than the other one because sand's dripping out of it but started my journey there you know and have grown and progressed and I'm fortunate to be around a lot of knowledgeable passionate people that had invested to in me to help me grow and develop in my knowledge and my understanding of how to get stronger nutrition flexibility and all that but why am I bringing all that up because I can only get so far by myself. I'm limited uh, in my capacity if I'm just trying to do it all by myself. Matter of fact, I, I like the term spiritual spotting. Because in the natural, if you've ever lifted some weight, sometimes you hit a sticking point. And all it takes is somebody's finger to hit that bar to get you past the sticking point. And that's what a good church, a good pastor, a good five-fold ministry will do is help you get past sticking points. If you try to do it by yourself, guess what? You're never going to get past some of the obstacles in your life. So it's important not just to come to church, but to receive when you come to church. So I'm going to set the context is if you're through growing, you're through. This is spiritual growth and development. And when you think you know it all, you've lost the ability to learn. Learning stops when you think that you know it all. I'll say it again. Learning stops when you think you know it all. A dead man won't learn a fool, or a dead man can't learn, a fool won't learn. So it's foolish not to grow. What am I saying? When you come to church, be ready to receive. When you, go, when you get in your devotional reading, don't do it as a quick duty, but a delight ready to receive. God What's going to go on today? I need a word in due season, so speak. When you come to church, same thing. Uh, you may have heard some of the scriptures, some of the subject matter, but if it's old to you, then it's not real to you. So you got to have a hunger to want to learn. And God will do great things in your life if you're hungry and pliable. The prophet Isaiah said that he is the potter we're the clay, and you can't mold dry clay. So when you think that you know it all, you're dry. But when you have a humble heart and you're a, we're disciples, that means I'm a lifelong learner. You know, it's a fact that most people educationally naturally quit reading after a certain educational level. They quit learning and they stunt themselves. But we should not be like that in the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. As kingdom citizens, we are enrolled in the educational system, which goes on for a lifetime and an eternity in the kingdom of God. So be hungry. And God's got great things in store for those that desire to grow and develop and to be hungry for the things of God. I want to launch out from Joshua just to show the progression and a summary of where he was at to where God took him. Because God has, God has a plan and a purpose for every born-again believer in his kingdom. Yeah. And you just don't get there, and one day it's a journey. Success is not a destination. Success is a journey. Yeah. So Joshua chapter 1, verses 1 through 9, I'm going to read this and just give us a quick highlight of Joshua's life. It says this from the Word of God. I'm reading from the New King James Version. It says, After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant or Moses' servant, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, 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 go over this Jordan, you and all this people. To the land which I'm giving to them, the children of Israel, every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given you, as I said to Moses, from the wilderness in this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites to the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and of good courage, for to this people you shall divide the land as an inheritance, a land which I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous that you may observe to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from the law, from it to the right hand or the left, that you may prosper wherever you go. It's God's will that you prosper wherever you go. It's God's will that you prosper wherever you go. 3 John 2 says, beloved, I wish above all things that you would prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. It's God's will. It's the good news of the gospel of the kingdom that you would prosper wherever you go. This, now here's the key. This is the success principle in verse 8. This is a key to spiritual growth and development in verse 8. This book of the law... Shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night that 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 you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. This is the success principle. The book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. What are you saying? What are you saying? What are you saying? What are you saying? But you shall what? Meditate in it day and night. What are you thinking about? What are you pondering? What are you imagining? And then to observe, what are you doing? What are your actions? What are your habits? In your mouth, in your mind. Right. And in your actions. And then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. Now, this is sandwiched together, just like a good Oreo cookie. <laughs> Verse seven says, only be strong and very courageous. Verse nine says, have I not commanded you to be strong and good courage? Do not be afraid, nor dismayed for the Lord your God is with you. What does that imply? There's going to be some trouble with troubles. Some contests, some conflict, some issues, some situations, but I'm telling you to be strong and of good courage. Don't be dismayed or discouraged, but what? Let the word of the Lord be in your mouth, in your mind, in your actions, and then there will be progress and great success. Success is the progressive realization of the predetermined goals visions and dreams that god has for you success is not dollars and cents america has limited success to how much money's in the bank the kingdom definition of success though is the progressive realization of the god-given goals dreams and visions that he's given and success always includes others And success is always a community asset. And there is no progress without some struggle. Even in the natural, they call it resistance training when you're strength training. Why? Because there's some pressure. And pressure always magnifies. Too much pressure will break you, but enough pressure will help tune that guitar string. Enough pressure will actually build your muscle fiber so you get stronger. Right? Guess what? Muscle is built by repetition. And so, in the kingdom, guess what? Your spiritual muscles are built by repetition. And what are you doing? You're confessing, you're thinking, you're doing. And the result of that everybody wants success and everybody wants progress, but are you confessing, are you thinking, are you doing? pastor has laid this out well over the months and the years and the awesome teaching that we receive and the rich word of god that we get from anchor faith church is uh, god is uh, a lot of people say god is sovereign so if he wants something to happen he's just going to make it happen well we've learned this at anchor faith church in our educational system is god is sovereign over his word so if you do his word then you get the benefit or the authority or the power that comes with doing his word. It's just not going to happen. It's just not going to fall on you like ripe cherries off of a tree. You just don't get a membership to Bailey's gym. Go to the parking lot, sit in the car and eat Ben and Jerry's chunky monkey. Speaking some of your love languages right now and say, and then a month from now say, I don't understand why it's not working. Oh, I, I didn't go in the gym. I got the card because Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. So I got access. I got legal entrance to swipe and get in there. So let me try this again. Oh, I'll go in and sit in their massage chair and eat the Ben and Jerry's. Lord, I don't understand why it's not working. I was in the gym. Oh, you got to get on the machine. Okay, I'll sit on the machine and eat my Ben and Jerry's. 30 days later, Lord, I don't understand why this ain't working. Oh, I actually have to get under and push and do, exert a little effort, right? Get a little knowledge to actually get the benefit of. So guess what? Same with your spiritual life. It's only going to work if you apply it. Truth is like soap. It only works if you apply it. And all the husbands and wives said, I should say the wives should tell their husbands, use soap. So Joshua had great success. And this is built over a lifetime. We meet Joshua for the very first time as a slave in Egypt. All right? That's a starting point. We, ha- well, we, ha- we all have a starting point in Christ. All right? So, his starting point when he comes on the scene, he's a slave in Egypt. Next, he becomes a spy. That Moses, his leader, when they sent the 12 spies in land, Joshua was one of those spies that went to the land. Matter of fact, only two spies, Joshua and Caleb, had a good report. God said, I'm taking you to the land, I'm going to give to you. It's Canaan land, a land flowing with milk and honey. This isn't heaven, this is on earth. And God said, I'm going to take you out of Egypt, which is a land of bondage, a land of not enough. I'm going to take you through the wilderness, which is a land of just enough. And a lot of believers are living in the wilderness. Meaning they've been delivered, but they're living a substandard existence from what God desires. God said, I always bring you out to bring you in. This is spiritual growth and development. God didn't bring you out of sin just to leave you. He brought you out of sin to bring you into righteousness. He brought you out of bondage to bring you into liberty. He brought you out of lies to bring you into truth. He brought you out of dysfunction to bring you into function. Right? And so we meet him as a spy as he goes into Canaan land. But then next we see him as a soldier over in Exodus when they had to fight the Amalekites. Moses goes up on the mountain. So there's progression, it's spiritual growth and development. He starts as a slave. He becomes a spy. He's a soldier. And then we see him become a servant to Moses. He's the one that went with Moses into the tent of God. Matter of fact, he got in the presence of God and stayed in the presence of God, but he served Moses. And the greatest in the kingdom is what? I'm giving you points to spiritual growth and development. You want to grow spiritually, be a servant. Serve. It's not about what you can get. It's about what you can give. Everything in the Bible is in seed form. Even your life in Christ is in seed form. You start off as a spiritual infant when you give your life to the Lord. You're a baby in Christ. But even in, even with Joshua's life, guess what? He started off with a seed of potential, and God had a plan for him, but he had to be faithful to that plan. So we see progression. Joshua is the one that experiences this, and we see him fulfill his duty because he's the one in – that wrote the, the eighth, you know, experienced the eighth verse that we read about meditating on the word, thinking about it and doing it, and he had good success and he progressed. And he experienced God's goals and visions and dreams for him because we, be, we see him at the end of his life become a successor. Yeah. Yeah. And you're not a success in this life if you don't have a successor. In God's kingdom, he does not want you to finish your purpose and die without being able to pour into the life of somebody else. That God's a transgenerational God. He's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. In Proverbs, we learn this, that a good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children. You want to know how well your life in Christ is lived? You look to your grandkids, two generations out we got to be transgenerational, I think, and just not what we're doing in our lifetime, but we want to pour out into the generations to come. So pressure only comes to you when you're called to do a task for which you're unprepared. Preparation dispels uh, pressure because it builds confidence. So coming to church is preparation time. Hallelujah. It's preparation time. You reading the Word of God and meditating on the Word of God and doing the Word of God is preparation time. You developing your prayer life is preparation time. It builds confidence in the life of Christ so that He can accomplish the purpose that He has for you. So there's going to be circumstances, there's going to be situations, there's going to be challenges and there's gonna be change. Change is not change until it's change. Change is a constant in life. If, if I get in, in condition to run, oh my Lord, a marathon, <laughs> guess what? I, I just don't arrive. <laughs> I have to keep training in order to what? Keep advancing. This is a fact, people. You're either growing or you're regressing. You're just not stagnant. This is a dynamic life. There is so much that God has put on the inside of you. Let the world get the best of you. Hallelujah. The average person goes to work every day because that's what they did yesterday. If that's the only reason for going to work, you'll probably be no more effective tomorrow than you were today. The sad thing is many people who have been with a company five years do not have five years' experience. They have one year's experience repeated five times. And they have no specific plans to make any changes. I'm just trying to stir you up to get you going. We need to understand that self discipline is the highest form of government, self government, self starter. All right? you, not, you may not be able to change the world, but when you change your world, you have taken a major step in order to influence the world. We will win the minute we get rid of excuses as to why we can't win and stop wallowing in self-pity. You want to grow? Kick out the excuses. I love Pastor Roddy, and he wouldn't mind me saying this. He's got a he's got a twenty anytime fitness card on his keychain, and so we we joke about it because he knows I got a passion lift. But um, he'll tell you, makes excuses why he doesn't use that. You know, I drive by and I wave. (laughs) When Jesus Christ, the ultimate leader, was on the earth, he taught. Uh, certain things uh, to us to reconnect us to truth amen for example he constantly encouraged the disciples to do things beyond what they thought they were capable of doing yes. he moved beyond the limits of their thinking because their attitudes were limited by their thoughts God is going to stretch you God is going to develop you if you submit and commit to his plan and his, his will and his desire is for you to grow and we're going to be looking at stages of development this week and next week, and we're going to give you some takeaways so that you can continue to grow and continue to be hungry to go. This is the question I want to ask you. If you continue doing the, the same thing you are the next five, 10, 15, or 20 years, are you going to please, be pleased with who you are and what you have? And if not, change. The first word in the kingdom of God is repent, which means to change. 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 So I want to go to 1 John chapter 2 and just identify really in simplicity three stages of spiritual growth. And our key text will really be... Um, Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 through 16. Matter of fact, I'm going to give you a homework assignment. I like when Pastor Marcy does this. It's not going to be as long as Psalms 119. (laughs) But Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 through 16 I would encourage you to read that at least five times before next Wednesday. Yeah. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 through 16. Not only read it, but I'll even go a step further. Let's do what Joshua said and meditate on it. Yeah. Think about it. How do you meditate? I like Psalms 46.10. It says, be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am. Be still and know that. Be still and know. Be still be. Meditate on it. Think about it. Chew on it. Ponder it. Confess it. I remember my, when my wife was still in Broken Air, Oklahoma, she was at the post office one day and um, thank God for no fruity Christians, amen? Flaky Christians? I'm just setting the context for this. But she was in line and she, she heard somebody um, behind her quietly. They weren't prophesying or doing anything weird. It was praying in the Holy Ghost. And uh, she turned around, and it was Marty Blackwelder. Why would I bring that up? Because we just don't pray in the church or the house. We're to pray without ceasing. You're to meditate, what, day and night. All of us are thinking about something. And God said, if you want to really let my word work in your life, then you need to confess it, meditate on it day and night, and then do it and then you'll make your way prosperous, and then you'll have good success. So anyways, your homework assignment and meditating on these verses, Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 through 16. All right, let's go to 1 John chapter 2. I like sharing this scripture with Anna, because at Bible school we learned that ministry was 1 John, 2 John, and 3 John. Does anybody get that? No, okay. She got it. There's a little laugh over there. I try hard to do so many jokes per year. That one went over like a. But inside I'm laughing real hard, so I don't care. That's one thing I about love about my wife. She loves at things, she laughs at things I would never laugh at, but it just gets infectious, you know. We'll be watching a movie. It's like that what really wasn't that funny, but she gets tickled by it. And anyways, if you can make yourself laugh, hallelujah, that's a good thing. And Mary Hart does good like a Medicine. So uh, first John chapter two, verse 12, it says, I write to you, little children, because your sins are forgiven you for his name's sake. I write to you, fathers, because you have known him from the beginning. I write to you, young men, because you have overcome the wicked one. I write to you, little children, because you have known the father. I write to you, fathers, because you have known him who is from the beginning. I've written to you, young men, because you are strong and the word of God abides in you. You have overcome the wicked one. So just real quick in these three ver- in this uh, these couple verses we see that the uh, apostle John talks about what children, young men and fathers. And so for spiritual growth and development, I just want to look at it from that context. We have, you know, infants and children, young men and fathers. We could say it this way we have infants and children, young women and mothers. We're not excluding a gender, amen. This is for everyone. Now let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Well, I told you Ephesians, didn't I? Let's go to Ephesians. We'll read this, and then we'll go to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. So in Ephesians chapter 4, the word says this, I therefore... This is the Apostle Paul talking. The prisoner, Lord, beseech you or beg you or encourage you to walk worthy, to walk worthy of the calling which you were called. What a powerful statement. So these are born again, spirit filled believers, but what's he saying? There's a purpose, there's a plan, there is a journey that you're on as you're in Christ. Uh, salvation is just the beginning. The new birth is just the beginning. Uh, There's a whole life to live. And I'll say this, serving God since 1997, the best is yet to come for me. For those that are in the kingdom of God, the best is yet to come for you. I'll say this, the best is yet to come for Anchor Faith Church. As you grow, Anchor Faith Church will grow. As you grow and develop, Anchor Faith Church will grow and develop. You are important to the vision of what God has in store for us. Amen. There's a significance about you and you need to make sure that you're lining up with His plan so God can maximize what he's put on the inside of you. So he said, I therefore the prisoner of the Lord, I beseech you that you walk worthy of the calling. That word calling uh, means this. There's a strong inner impulse towards a particular course of action. You are uh, the way you are because of why you are. There's a certain bent you have, a certain personality, a certain disposition, because God is too creative to make everybody the same. There's a uniqueness about you, uh, and God has put you on the planet for such a time as this, and he's saying there's a strong impulse on the inside to do something. And you need to walk worthy. The, word, the Hebrew word for walk means that you need to regulate conduct and live your lives in an honorable and a valuable way. Not dishonorable, not taking things lightly, but being serious about the master's plan. He said, I'm the prisoner of the Lord. The Lord means he's the master. He has the power of deciding. He has the final say. He's the possessor and dispossessor of this life. And what he says goes. And if you want the best quality of life and the best outcome, Man, love will always lead you in the right way, and God is love. And he goes on to say, with all lowness and gentleness, with long-suffering, put up with one another in love, endeavoring to keep the union of the faith, or the union of the spirit and the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called into one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in all. But to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Let me say that again. But to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Guess what? The word uh, given means that it's it's a gift. There's something on the inside of you that God has deposited. There's a measure of grace in you to accomplish the purpose and the assignment. Then God goes on to say, therefore, through the Holy Spirit, he says this. Therefore, he says, when he ascended on high, he led captivity captive, and he gave gifts to men. Now that he that ascended, what does that mean? But he also first descended to the lower parts of the earth. He who descended is also the one who ascended far above all the heavens that he might fill all things. And he himself gave some, not all, he gave some to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, teachers, and pastors. This is what we call the five-fold ministry. And then he, he says why God explains to the Holy Ghost, through the Apostle Paul, why he gave the five-fold ministry. And this is why church attendance is so important. He said this, there's three things that he points out in verse number 12. Number one, the first reason the fivefold ministry is given, the apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, the pastor, the teacher, is number one for the equipping of the saints. So the first thing that happens when you come to church, guess what, you're going to get equipped. What does equipping mean? It means a complete furnishing. You look this up in the Greek, it means perfecting. Now, when we think of perfection, what do we think of without fault or without blame? But the Greek word for perfecting means this mature or maturing. You know, you're only young once, but you can live immature for a lifetime. It'd be a shame to be a six-year-old husband who's immature. Hallelujah. Maturity does not come with age. Maturity comes with accepting responsibility. Remember I said get rid of excuses and self-pity. You're never going to grow up if you don't kick out the excuses. So the equipping means it's a complete furnishing. It's a perfecting. So when you come to church, guess what's going to happen? There's going to be anointed word. You're going to receive a delicious meal. One thing in my journey in weightlifting for years, I trained really hard and, and I, I got stronger, but I didn't see the maximum results because I didn't understand about nutrition. I didn't understand about macros or micros. And so Hosea 4 says my people perish because of a lack of knowledge. When I was able to start learning about nutrition, my, my body composition took on a completely different appearance. I thought if you trained really hard, you could still get away with eating pizza. Yeah. Hallelujah. <laughs> Ice cream, double stuffed Oreos. You can't outrun nutrition. Hallelujah. So when you come to church, guess what? You're going to get a, a well-balanced meal. Yeah. It's not always going to be key line pride, Brother Jesse although there'll be some key lime pie sermons. Sometimes we're going to make sure you eat your Brussels sprouts and your broccoli. We're going to make sure you get the right protein grams in, spiritual protein grams. Amen? And so it's going to supply you with what's needed. There's going to be impartation. There's going to be sustenance. Jesus said this way, man shall not live what by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. So you should be like, Lord, feed me. I'm hungry. I want, it's, I, it's, I don't care how tough the day was in the sense I'm coming to get a good spiritual meal. I remember when I was going to uh, Raymond Christian center, Raymond Bible church. I love to go to Wednesday night services because sometimes the week was difficult. I think I haven't heard Jan say this the other day. It's like it's the, it's the hump that gets you over to the rest of the, the week. I think you had said that the other day, maybe, or somebody had said that. But I thought about Wednesday night, you know, it's, man, there's a spiritual infusion and in meal that you get that lets you finish out Thursday and Friday strong. Yeah. Guess what? If you go without the meal, you're not going to have energy. Hallelujah. So there's an equipping. So God's going to supply you with the necessary items for the purpose to which he's called you. The second thing in Ephesians 4, 12 says there's going to be the equipping the saints, but it's going to be for the work of ministry. And guess what? That's the enterprise, the purpose and the plan that God has for you. You come to church because there's a purpose for your life and that fivefold ministry is going to help fuel that purpose. And then the outcome of this, the third thing in the 12th verse is there's going to be edifying or building up in the body of Christ. So guess what? If we don't come to church for the five-fold ministry, there's going to be no equipping, and there's no going to be building up of the body. I'll say it again. If you don't stay connected in church, receive and grow, there's going to be nothing for you to work, no fuel for you to do the work of the ministry. God's faithful. He'll get somebody else to come in. Deborah in the Old Testament fulfilled a job because somebody else wouldn't do it. And the caller blessed just learned that a couple weeks ago. And then he goes on to say this in verse 13. He says, Till we all come to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we should no longer, that we should no longer be tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men and cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. I want to highlight verse 13 and 14 in some different translations just to bring some additional clarity. Verse 13 in one translation says, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and to the full knowledge of God's Son, to mature manhood, to the point where we become fully adult as Christ. Another translation says, verse 13 like this, their job is not complete until we all uh, come into oneness of the faith and the unifying experience of God's Son until we become full-grown Filled out to the measurement of Christ's size. A couple verses of 14 say it like this No one should remain a child. Turn your neighbor and say, Don't remain a child. Turn the one on the other side and say, Don't remain a child. So, no one should remain a child. If we don't mature in Christ, we find ourselves being tossed about like waves responding to every wave of teaching that blows our way. What's worse, we will remain completely at the mercy of any crafty word handler who is expert in presenting doctrinal schemes. Another translation of verse 14 says this, the purpose of God's gracious gift is that we should not continue immature and unstable in our Christian life so as to be susceptible to every form of deception and error. So reading on to verse 15, it says, But speaking the truth in love, that we would grow up in all things into God, who is the head of Christ. Now let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Starting in verse number 1. It says this. This is Paul speaking to the church at Corinth. He says, I, And I, brethren, could not speak to you as unto spiritual people, but as to carnal, as to babes in Christ. So this is the Apostle Paul talking to the church at Corinth, and he said, I could not speak to you as spiritual people, but as to carnal, as babes in Christ. A carnal person is not the same as a natural man. In the second chapter of 1 Corinthians, it says the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God. Paul didn't say anything about being a natural man in the third chapter. He talked about them being a carnal man, babes in Christ. This means they're born again, but they haven't matured. You could say this way, they're still immature, they're spiritual babies. Hallelujah. So verse 2 says this, I fed you with milk. What do we do with babies? We give them the bottle. And what's the expectation? That they grow. Hallelujah. So I fed you with milk, not with solid food, for until now you were not able to receive it. But even now you're still not able. So there was a time when milk's good. In 1997, when I was at Raymond Christian Center, I had um, my notebook out and I I was just taking notes, absorbing absorbing everything, you know, and still very uh, uh, absorbs everything today. You know, I'm still hungry to learn and grow. Um, But I remember there's one service I was like, I got so frustrated. I was like, where has this been my whole life? The truth was just so rich and I wanted to learn so much so quick. But some things just take time. But I was like a baby just getting that milk every Wednesday, every Sunday, right? And that's how we need to be if we're gonna grow. But there's a certain time when you need to come off the bottle. It's cute when you're little, but if Don's with Michelle at the house, I know Don, so I could pick on him. He says, honey, give me the bottle. It'd be pretty strange if I went over there watch a USC game with him and he's sipping on a baby bottle. I would ask him, say, man, what's up with you? He does not do that. Chapter 3 says, or verse 3 says, For you are still carnal, for where there is envy, strife, and divisions among you, are you not carnal and behave like mere men? For when one says, I'm of Paul, and another, I'm of Apollos, are you not carnal? Who then is Paul, who is Apollos, but ministers through whom you believed, as the Lord gave to each other. I planted Apollos water, but God gave the increase. So neither he who plants is anything nor he who waters, but God who gives the increase. Now he who plants and he who waters are one. Each one will receive his own reward according to his labor. Remember the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry. So somebody's planting, somebody's watering in their purpose. And each one's going to receive based upon what they're called to do. According to the grace of God, which was given to me, as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation and another builds on it. But let each one take heed how he builds on it. For no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if anyone builds on this foundation, Jesus, and now Paul goes on to talk about six different kinds of building material. He talks about gold, silver, precious stones, then he talks about wood, hay, and straw. Verse 13 says, each one's work will become clear for the day. If you see day, it's capital D. This isn't just a regular day. This is the day of the Lord. will declare it because it will be revealed by fire. And the fire will uh, test each one's work of what sort it is. If anyone's work which he has built on is, endures, he will receive a Reward. If anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved, yet as through the fire. What is this talking about? This is talking about the Bema seat of Christ. Yes. Not the great white throne judgment, but those that are in Christ, what have you done with what God has given you? Yes. Have you built on gold, silver, and precious stones? Or are you doing stuff with, with wood, hay, and stubble? Because there's going to be a day when God's going to evaluate. And the great thing about this, you want to run your race with diligence, yes. with purpose. And there's going to be a reward. So, so many times we look at this as a negative, but this is a great positive if you're on plan and pace with God. So let me read a couple of scriptures to you just to encourage you. And then we're going to talk about some things about babies. And we're going to have you out of church by midnight. I'm just kidding. Yeah, you will be sleeping. I was going to say 15 minutes and talk like an auctioneer. I just want to give you a few scriptures, and then I'm going to talk about some characteristics of this infancy and childhood stage so we can identify where we're at. Have you regressed? Are you right where you need to be? Or do you need to advance, right? So I'm going to read 1 Corinthians 9 because I talked about this early. I said I was going to get it to it momentarily, so it's momentarily. Verses 24 through 27 says, Do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you may obtain it. And everyone who competes for the prize is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a perishable crown, but we for an imperishable ground. Therefore I run thus not with uncertainty. Thus I fight not as one who beats the air, but I discipline my body... And bring it in subjection, lest when I preach to others, I myself should become disqualified. Now, the Message Bible reads it this way. You've all been to the stadium and seen the athletes race. Everyone runs, one wins. Run to win. Run to win. All good athletes train hard. They do it for a gold medal that tarnishes and fades. You're after one that's gold eternally. I don't know about you, but I'm running hard for the finish line. I'm giving it everything I've got. No lazy living for me. I'm staying alert and in top condition. I'm not going to get caught napping, telling everyone else about it, and then missing out myself. 2 Corinthians 3.18 from the Amplified Classic says this, And all of us, as with unveiled face, because we continue to behold in the word of God as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are constantly being transfigured, and into his very own image, an ever increasing splendor, and from one degree of glory to another, for this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. Romans 1 17 from the Amplified says, This, for in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed, both springing from faith and leading to faith, disclosed in a way that awakens more faith. As it is written, and forever remains written, the just. An upright shall live by faith. I just gave you those scriptures because God expects you to grow and develop. And there's a race before you. And this isn't a stagnant life. This is a dynamic life. And thank God we have the Holy Ghost on the inside and the word of God to see all the potential pulled out of us, right? So let's go to some characteristics. We'll start with the positive. All right. All right. And then we'll get to some negatives about children and infants. A good positive about children and infants is there's an innocence and a purity about them. Hallelujah. In Matthew 18, verses 1 through 5, the word says this. At that time, the disciples came to Jesus saying, who then is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Jesus called a little child to him. Set him in the midst of them and said, "Assuredly, I say to you, unless you're converted and become like little children, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever humbles himself as this little child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Whoever sees one little child like this in my name receives me. The great thing about children is an innocence and a purity and a belief about them. I remember when I was about six years old, my uncle told me that he fought Bruce Lee. Now, being mature, I don't think that ever happened. But at that time, as a child, guess what? You just believe there's an innocence and a purity about you. Now, these are characteristics you want to take with you. There's some things you want to hold on to that are characteristics of child. There's some things you want to let go of. Amen? When you're married, if you act like a child... And force your wife to act like your mother. That's something you want to let go of. You can say amen or oh me. So just belief, right? The great thing about children, too, is there's an innocence to them. They don't have a past. And so much of the church has a sin consciousness where we need to have a righteous consciousness. Listen to this. This is how we need to think in the kingdom of God. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 9 through 11. I'm reading from the Amplified Bible. says, now he gives a list of what we used to be like, or some of us. He gives a list about the world and how the world acts. He says, do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit or have any share in the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither the sexually immoral, idolaters, adulterers, effeminate, by perversion, nor those who participate in homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor uh, revelers, whose words are used as weapons to abuse, and insult, humiliate, intimidate, or slander, nor swindlers or inherit or have any share in the kingdom of God. Now, listen this. Such were some of you before you believed, but you were washed Amen. by the atoning sacrifice of Christ. You were sanctified, Amen. set apart for God, made holy, you were justified, justified de- declared free of guilt, a divine pardon in the name of Lord Jesus Christ and in his Holy Spirit of God, the source of believers, new life and changed behavior. So just like a just like you're coming to the kingdom, guess what? Your past is gone and there's a fresh start. Second Corinthians 517 I'm going to read two translations from this that you may have not heard before. It says, you know, if any man is in Christ, he's a brand new creation. Old things have passed away. All things have become new. Well, this one translation says it like this. When there's a new creation in the heart of man, old things are passed away. And with respect to him, behold, behold, all things are become new. He is brought, as it were, into another world. Fresh start. Another translation says it like this. For if a man is is, uh, in Christ, he becomes a new person altogether. The past is finished and gone. Everything has become fresh and new. Psalms 103 verses 8 through 12 says this. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in mercy. He will not always strive with us, nor will he keep us in his anger forever. He has not dealt with us according to our sins, nor punished us according to our iniquities. For as the heavens are high above the earth, so great is his mercy towards those who reverence him. As far as the east is from the west, so far as he removed our transgressions from us. So the great thing about a baby and a child, there's no past to them. And this is something that we want to carry with us as we advance in God is to have childlike faith and have childlike innocence and purity. Now, what we want to do, get rid of is childlike, childishness. We want to be childlike when it comes to believing at the word of God and have an innocence and purity and understanding the redemption that's in us. But childishness, we need to get rid of. How do I know that? 1 Corinthians thirteen eleven says, when I was a child, I spoke like a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I did what? Put away childish things. So here's some, negative, here's some other negative traits or characteristics of a baby, and this is why it's important to grow. Now, three of these I get straight from what the Apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians 3. He said, you're carnal, for where there's envy, strife, and divisions among you, are you not carnal? So number one, a child is envious. If they see a toy they want, guess what? Take it. Right? If you do that as a mature person, come on now. If you can't share your leftovers with your wife, if you have to put your name on the to-go box in the refrigerator, (laughs) hallelujah, where'd that food go, honey? Right? So children are envious. That means they get, they're, They can get angry quick, right? They can get jealous fast, all right? The second thing he said, that there's strife among you. What's strife? It's complaining, murmuring, grumbling. I thought about social media with this because everybody's got an opinion. But a kingdom citizen and child of God, the word says the love of God constrains me, so I don't say everything I think. Hallelujah. Now, reliable communication permits progress. I do talk about things, but I'm not talking about other people. Grumbling and complaining to the, to the point I find fault with them. That's religious people like the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And unregenerate people, they complain, murmur, think they're always right. And you know, if you're talking about somebody that are not in present with you, you're a baby. Hallelujah. Now it's one thing to maybe have a have a conversation, but as a husband and wife, but you know what you do? You cover that in prayer. If you're always putting somebody down, never trying to pick him up, you're a baby. Hallelujah. And he says, "There's envy, there's strife, and there's division." which means dis- there's dissension, which means it's disagreement that leads to discord. It's okay, at times there's gonna be things you don't see eye to eye on, but this isn't talking about that. This is talking to the point where it, be- it becomes ununified or disharmony. It be- creates disharmony. It's like an orchestra. Where we're all supposed to be on the same page, but an instrument's off and it sounds Horrible. And Paul said, you're a baby if there's envy, if there's strife, if you're causing division. Man, love's going to unify. Love's going to find a solution. Love's going to forgive. What's another characteristic of a baby? They're selfish. They're the center of their own universe. They're the fake trinity. Me, myself, and I. And what's a baby do? Selfishly. If they don't get their way, they throw a temper tantrum. Are you passive aggressive, you mature adults? (laughs) Amen? Let me give you a case in point. Husband and wife have a disagreement. I'm just not going to talk to them until I get my way. It's quiet. (laughs) Which is good. Nobody's saying amen to that, but like with your spouse next to you. (laughs) It's one thing to throw a temper tantrum. You've seen kids. wail on the floor because they didn't get the toy they wanted. Oh, Lord, don't get off us on parenting, but. I mean, I was at going through Walmart uh, about a month ago, and they had just put that new fast suit. Is it Charlie's or whatever? I think it was a Subway. Is it Charlie's? And. Some kids, I want, I want, crying. I was like, they weren't getting their way, so guess what? It's one thing to do it when you're young, but as you grow in Christ, guess what? You should notice you start to become selfless, not selfish. The Bible says that Jesus emptied himself, and like a servant, he came down. He gave up his royal dignity to come down to pay the price for us. What an example of leadership for us. The greatest is those that serve. It's better to give than to receive. Another thing about babies, they'll put anything in their mouth. Worship team, you can come. I only got a couple more. Now, this is important. As a baby, this is why a pastor is good. I remember when I was at Ray Christian Center in 1997, there was a book floating around on not eating pork. And, our, and, and Apostle Scales, I, he knew it because he addressed it from the congregation and he brought correction because some congregate members are passing this book around and he had to say, listen, all food is sanctified by the word of God and prayer. One thing they didn't have in the Old Testament was the name of Jesus. But a baby will put anything in their mouth. Right? I mean they find something on the floor that's not edible they may put it in their mouth. I remember talking to somebody one time they were saying, "Pastor Mike, I have an opportunity to go to this conference. Should I go?" I didn't now when they told me the name, I didn't know the name. I said, "This may be a wonderful minister, but I don't know them. And at your state of development right now, I would recommend not going." They could be great. I don't have the time to research them and get credibility on their character. But listen, if you get a little bit off. By the time where you're supposed to get to, you could be way off if you get wrong doctrine, just like if you leave in a plane, they went to India, if they're off one degree from the time they left Florida to get to India, they could be way off and a baby will put anything in the mouth. So thank God for a pastor that's going to guess what? Protect the flock. There's a, we have more access today to YouTube and ministers and teaching than ever before, and that's great, but that also could be bad. So good thing, I believe there's a lot of truth being spoken on their ways, but there's also things that could be a little bit off doctrinally, and we just don't want to stick anything in their mouth, and a baby will put anything in their mouth. Listen, a baby's unsteady and unstable, and as you grow in Christ, guess what? You want to be one that has Christ-like character and that be counted on. You can't count on a three-year-old to pay a bill. Right? But as you grow, when you're 30, you better be able to pay bills. Your parents shouldn't have to pay your bills when you're 30. Hallelujah. Just saying. The Bible says to leave your father and mother and cleave to your spouse. Last thing about babies, and this this is just like, the biggest highlight to me is they can't reproduce. What I mean, they're not mature enough or have grown enough to actually make a baby. And the highest level of living in the kingdom of God is to reproduce. And I'm closing with this. In Genesis 126, he gave a a five-foot command. He said, be fruitful and Multiply. This is why I said you leaving an inheritance is so important and a legacy because it's you being able to reproduce. You should live life so well in the kingdom of God that you're pouring into the life of others. Paul said this in 1 Corinthians 4. He said, there's 10,000 instructors, but not many fathers. I have begotten you in the gospel. So his heart was, man, I'm in Christ. I'm solid, I'm grown, but there's a greater than just me having success. It's significance where I get to pour into the lives of others. Father, we thank you for the word tonight. Thank you so much for listening to this message. If you want more, subscribe to our message podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and SoundCloud. Rating and leaving a comment will go a long way with helping our messages get better circulation. If you'd enjoy watching our weekend messages, visit youtube.com forward slash anchor faith. We'd love it if you'd subscribe, leave a comment, or a like on the messages. If you'd like to find out more information about us and how we're influencing the world and help support the work we're doing by giving, just visit anchorfaith.com.